are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. The Hugh You Know podcast, where we discuss all things relative to media and entertainment, and it's all designed to support our career growth. From networking, to breaking in the industry, to climbing up the ranks, the how-tos, who you need to know, what you need to do to make it and make it big and be successful. You can learn all those things here on the Hugh You Know Lessons for the Culture podcast. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you're green, if you're new, if you are a veteran, if you're an expert, we have something for everybody. My name is Shirley Brene Williams. I am owner and CEO of Willie B Productions. I'm also head of strategic planning and partnerships for Hugh You Know. I haven't told a lot of people that on the podcast. People are probably like, what is Shirley's connection to Hugh? So now you know. And today, our guest is Miss Debbie Douglas. Debbie is a talent acquisitions professional with over 20 years in media and entertainment. Debbie holds a bachelor's degree in social work from Stony Brook University and a master's of science in human resources management. She has both talent acquisitions and HR business partner experience. She is also a proud member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, a former co-chair of the Professional Development Committee of the Black Employee Resources Group at Paramount and is currently Director of Recruiting Content Talent Acquisitions at Paramount. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you for the lovely welcome. I'm happy to be here with you guys. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to chat with you because, one, you are a beautiful, brilliant Black woman, and I'm obsessed with Black women. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I also love how you, like, wore the pink and you got your AKA stuff in the back. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, But what I'm most excited about, besides all those awesome things, is that you are our first guest, which is what I was just talking to you about before we started rolling. You are our first guest who uh, is a recruiter and who can give us insights into what recruiters are looking for, right? So, So for people who don't know, what exactly is a recruiter? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there are recruiters in all different industries, um, as well as all different types of recruiters. So there's in-house recruiters where they work specifically for a corporation or small business, medium-sized business, large corporations such as myself. Or you can be um, a recruiter that works in a staffing agency um, and you are supporting uh, potential candidates to get match them up with uh, companies that have um, enlisted that agency's um, services to help them fill positions. So I do it in-house, so there's no third party involved. Um, so basically, we're sourcing folks. Um, uh, you know, we get a what we call a job requisition. We uh, put together a recruiting strategy on how, where, what, uh, what does this profile look like? Um, how are we going to uh, deliver the best diverse pool of applicants to the hiring manager? So it's almost a little bit of a sales pitch too, in terms of selling the candidates on the job, um, as well as selling the hiring managers on the candidate that we think would be a great fit and ultimately be a superstar for our team. 
dope. And then what is talent acquisitions? Mm -hmm. It's basically the same thing as recruiting. Um, They have developed that term as we've gotten more modernized and realized that HR aren't just what they call back in the day, like the the paper shufflers and, you know, we only do administrative type of support for a company. Um, Talent acquisition is a part of human resources and there's various types of human resources support that um, my other coworkers and peers do. So there's uh, what we call HR business partners, which I've also done in the past as well. So outside of recruiting, the other portion of HR is dealing, once they've come in the door, we've recruited them and they're now our employees, how do we take care of our employees um, through um, training and development, um, making sure that compensation um, is, is, is managed, um, benefits. Um, so that's like the other side, um, dealing with employee relations issues. You know, if a manager has an issue with an employee, they would come to the HR business partner to discuss issues. I'm more, I would say my specialty and what I prefer to speak on, um, as a subject matter expert is the talent acquisition part of it, which is the recruiting, sourcing you, bringing you in, giving you all the, um, tips and tricks of how to secure jobs, um, the do's and don'ts, all of that good stuff. But I can definitely speak on the other side as well. Um, I'm just far removed from it because it's been quite a few years since I've done HR generalist type of work. Yeah, which is what I'm sure uh, the Hugh audience wants to know. And just to be clear, although you work for Paramount, you are not speaking on behalf of Paramount. These these are all of your thoughts and opinions. Exactly from my own experiences, of course. Right. Okay, so what attracted you to recruiting? I love to tell this story. So many people have heard it before because I speak a lot on panels and uh, to young folks, older folks. Um, My bachelor's degree is actually in social work. I I went to Stony Brook University in Long Island. Shout out to SUNY, uh, Stony Brook. Um, And at that time, I thought I was going to save the world one person at a time by becoming a social worker. You know, I thought it was just like so great to just help people in any way, shape and form. Fast forward to my internship and realize, wait a minute, this is way too clinical for me. I'm getting really involved in people's personal lives and I'm an emotional person. So I was like, this is too much for me. So how can I find a way to bridge that gap of still helping people, but in a more corporate setting, less clinical? And I happened upon human resources. Back then when the uh, internet was just coming out, when we called it the World Wide Web, (laughs) that's when I found out about um, human resources through what we call, it still exists now, the Occupational Outlook Handbook. And that's how I found my field. It like literally runs down everything for you in terms of all different types of fields, average pay, um, you name it. Um, It gives you like what type of schooling you need for a particular industry, the average pay, um, the years of experience, um, all that good stuff. So that's how I ended up uh, enrolling in the new school university, which is where I got my human resources management degree, an MS in HR management. So that's kind of how, yeah. So that led me to my first job, which was at a theatrical management company called the Schubert Organization, which is right here in New York, um, in Midtown. Yeah. So I worked there for a year. Um, and that was my first foray into HR, like in a formal capacity. And I was a staffing assistant and I supported an HR director and that was a unionized environment. So it's very different from, um, a regular corporation. Uh, the employees are, 
um, specifically um, beholden to the union rules and not necessarily like the company rules. So there's a lot of like layers to that as well, where I had to learn like how to manage um, unionized employees. But I recruited for ushers. So, you know, when you go to the Broadway plays and those folks that give you the playbills, I was recruiting for those folks. Um, so that was like my first opportunity to like learn how to like actually interview applicants and that I could tell you stories and stories about that as well. But that was my first foray into recruiting and HR. And then how'd you get to Paramount? That's so dope. So I was only at the Schubert organization for a year and I happened to see a job uh, posting. And back then uh, Paramount was called MTV Networks. That's to tell you I'm really dating myself. Um, and they had a staffing assistant. And I thought it was like, wow, this is like an opportunity of a lifetime. I'm a TV junkie. I'm an entertainment junkie. I'm a consumer of content in general, just in my regular personal life. So when I saw that, I'm like MTV and VH1 and Nickelodeon, all that. I was like, I have to apply. I applied. They called me two weeks later and I got hired as an assistant. So I started a thousand years ago as an assistant um, in recruiting specifically. Okay. Do, so, do do you think that there's any uh, nuances about entertainment recruiting in entertainment that makes it maybe different from other industries? And I know you haven't worked in a lot of industries, but any insight in that? Um, I would say, yeah, um, entertainment media um, and recruiting for this space versus like a more corporate setting, like a bank or something of that nature. One, we're a little bit more lax. Um, we're a little bit more casual. It's less bureaucratic and red tape, I would say. But of course, with any organization, entertainment or media, you're always going to have something um, that is a little bit more rigid. Uh, but in terms of the type of candidates that we look for, they tend to be creative. Even if you're not in a creative uh, discipline, like I'm not in a creative discipline, I'm in human resources, but you have to have an affinity for creativity, understand the nuances of media, entertainment. Um, I think we also allow um, folks to be their authentic selves when they come in the door versus some, uh, again, some other companies that are more corporate where you really have to uh, ride their line um, and it's pretty rigid usually where you're not able to bring your whole self to work. Um, and, I, and I love that about it. I have worked in um, a communications agency um, side of the business, which is still a form of um entertainment and media, but it's still very different. And I also felt like that was um, an, an, an interesting area where they're at the beck and call of the clients, which is the companies that I work for, like a MTV or VH1 or NBC. Um, agencies, literally, they're taking the cue from the clients that they work for. So that was a little bit different as a recruiter. So like if I'm recruiting on positions, I can... Uh, be uh, working on 10 positions for three different clients of that agency and god forbid they lose that business all of a sudden my my um my focus has to be shifted to another side of the business forget scratch those jobs now we have to build up another whole team for this new um client that we just won business for so it's very different um yeah i, I mean i could go on and on about that as well but it is very different debbie what what are what are the things of, that are so special about the candidates that stick out to you? Is it like, mm -hmm. what, what makes them stand out to Debbie? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say one, do your research. Uh, I've had people come in the door and it's like basic interviewing 101. Get the company right. <laughs> Number two, do your research around what we do. Who are the um, brands that are under the Paramount umbrella? Um, so coming to me and saying, I'm so excited to work on, on a, a star's role wrong answer. We're not a part of stars. And I've had that countless times. Like you have one time to make a first impression. And that at the very least, I want you to know why you're coming to work for us, not just because it's a job, uh, but because you're excited about the brand. You're excited about what we stand for. Uh, maybe you've done enough research on our company where you know that where we stand on uh, public social responsibility and giving back to the community and diversity, you know, things of that nature. So that impresses me when I know people, um, you know, have a um, vested interest in the company um, based on their own personal interests as well. Like they watch our, our, our networks. I don't expect everyone to know all the umbrella because we have literally grown leaps and bounds from the time that I started. We have acquired a lot of companies. We've merged with a lot of companies. So sometimes I get it wrong as well, like how many companies we have and all the brands. Um, so I don't expect you to know that, but at least come in knowing um, why you want to be there. And it's not just a job that you applied for, one of 50 positions. You could very well have applied for 50 positions, but I don't need to know that. Uh, as someone who's been in the business for decades and someone known as the talent whisperer, how would you, like, what is talent? How would you identify, like, talent? Mm -hmm. Well, one, um, we would identify talent in many different ways. One, of course, we initially put our job postings on our career side. We also put it internally so that um, internal employees have an opportunity to access these openings because we think it's very important for internal mobility. But then we also go out and seek um, candidates that may not even know about a position, didn't see a job posting. So we'll do what we call sourcing, um, external outreach Um anything from a LinkedIn to using the Who You Know platform. I've used Who You Know platform for quite a few years now. When it first started, I want to say Who You Know only had maybe like 4,000, 5,000 um, followers. Um, and now they're, I don't even know their number now, um, but I know it's triple that if I'm not mistaken. 20, and I've actually hired people. Yeah, I love that, 20K. And I started at five. And I have actually had great success um, with um, posting positions and actually getting viable candidates through the door, whether they interviewed or actually were hired for a position full time or freelance. I have some you know, great um, success stories about that as well. Um, so that's like one avenue doing outreach with other um, organizations, professional organizations, diversity organizations, posting that um, pre-COVID, having an opportunity to meet and greet with people at these professional organization networking um, events, things like that. Um, sometimes we curate events in-house. Um, we've done virtual career fairs, you know, so it really runs the gamut. At the end of the day, we're trying to make sure that we are where the candidates are. So um, if we don't see the quality coming in, then we're going to go out and look for the quality candidates. And as talent, how can we position ourselves in a way that when when you do see us, we're attractive to you? Like, does that mean like our, yes. our LinkedIn yes. needs to be proper? Social media accounts oh, yeah. need to be? Oh, yeah. 
on brand. You're naming all of it. LinkedIn, keep that updated. Even I've noticed uh, for the most part that a lot of creatives don't tend to double down too much on their LinkedIn. They're more on like staff me up and some other creative areas or just word of mouth. Because again, especially production folks, they tend to uh, go from one project to another. Someone referred them, the line producer or the executive in charge or the EP um, you know, refers someone to a job. So that tends to be the the industry like in, but you'd be surprised how much of us, all of us recruiters are on LinkedIn um, and all of the major um, uh, sites like Indeed. Indeed actually um, um, aggregates all the job postings and scrapes them. So they all end up on Indeed.com. So that's a great way to post your uh, resumes up there as well um, for opportunities. Um, in addition to LinkedIn, definitely keep your social media. We're in a in a, a day and age now where social media is king and we find our applicants there as well. So I post, like I said, on who you, you know, which is a, is on the Facebook platform. Um, we actually um, just um, created, not just, I'd probably say within the last two years, a Life at Paramount um, Instagram page. So if you check that out as well, you can see um, the day in the life of, um, you know, an employee um, at the company and just get more information about the company in general. So just familiarize yourself. Um, another way to stay updated um, and make sure that we see you, you know, network, you know, even though you can't um, network in person as much because there's not as much events that are happening now, they're just starting to come back. So that's one um, avenue. Go to industry related events. Um join professional niche organizations such as a who you know or other um, um, organizations that will have the people that you want to be around and the roles that you want to actually end up in you're surrounding yourself with those people um, reaching out to people that have the positions that you're interested in and networking with them online through a LinkedIn or through other avenues um, it's always a great start start with your 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 in your insular circle and then continue to move that out so um, you know, if you're probably early career, if you're an intern, make sure that you're making the rounds, your relationships with the with the team, not only your supervisor, but with coworkers, um, neighboring departments that you work with, so that people know who you are, they know what you may bring to the table, and it's like, oh, wait a minute, they did a good job, they they took initiative. We might want to bring them back for a full time job or bring them back for another internship if they're not ready to graduate. So, like, always make yourself relevant. Um, you know. I try to use my social media as both my personal and my professional. So you, you know, you're you're able to see the things that I have done professionally, and that's actually um, how I ended up getting a lot more speaking engagements. When I realized I love to give back the knowledge that I'm giving you now, um, and that's one of the avenues that I noticed got picked up where people were noticing what I'm doing. So you can do the same thing. If you're a writer, put your content out there. If you're a producer, produce small pieces of content and put it out on your social media. You can even, people don't realize that on LinkedIn, you can actually put slides, presentations, um, audio, pictures, a little bit of everything in addition to your regular, you know, word, the verbiage that's attached to your um, career profile. And when talent gets on your radar what are what are like some assets you think that we need to really stand out is it like a solid resume do we need a website real does it depend on the profession 
completely depends on the profession. If it's more of a corporate position, then your resume is sufficient, but make sure it's updated. Make sure it's in the present tense um, for your current position. And if it's a position that you vacated already, make sure that it's in the past tense. I mean, these are all basic 101, but it, you'd be surprised how many people you see that don't have that updated. Um, definitely a strong resume. Once you get to the interview stage, make sure that you're asking questions, relevant questions. Utilize the job description to develop your questions. That's like the easy low-hanging fruit if you're not sure what to ask. Use that job description to derive some of the questions that you have. And then during the actual interview, as the recruiter is asking questions, you can, or sharing information with you, you can piggyback on the information that he or she has shared and then maybe have a question from that. I have no problem with people taking notes in an interview, whether it's virtual or in person. I think it's important that you take notes. Um, but never leave an interview without asking questions. Because to me, that that signals to me that you know all you need to know about the position. There's nothing else for you to know. And that's impossible within the 30 or 40 minutes that I get a chance to speak to you. Um, and because most of the time I'm giving you the platform, I like to do 80-20 where you're talking 80% of the time and, and I'm only talking 20% of the time. Because how can I really assess you if I haven't given you the opportunity to provide me all the information I can get, all the nuggets of um, knowledge I know about you, your work experiences, um, your uh, um your potential um, behaviors on the job, things like that. If I'm talking the whole time, you know. Yeah, I uh, when I when I would interview, I would always bring a notebook, and I actually mm -hmm. would have like little points that I would want to talk about about what makes me great, so that yep. I didn't forget. Exactly. It. I literally be like, hold yeah. on, and I'm like, oh yeah, and then I did this thing, and then I yeah. also did this thing. And then I would, I, I would hold a mm -hmm. hostage asking questions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're someone that gets nervous in an interview and then you yeah. kind of like go blank. Why not put a little note um, list like you have so that you don't miss the key points that you want to uh, um, make sure that you uh, yeah. get across? What can you talk about like what you guys are currently looking for or what you see that's going to be like a big need in the, in the future? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we're always looking for strong talent that's creative and or corporate. Uh, a lot of people have a misconception that, um, you know, our company only does creative um, because we're in media and TV, but we hire legal people. We hire um, marketing people, finance people, but specifically as it relates to creative, because I know the audience tends to be more creative here in Q, you know, which is the area that I tend to support more anyway, but I do more of the behind the scenes um, recruiting for creative, like the production management folks, the post-production folks, the creative project managers, that tends to be my area of focus. But my greater team also supports all creative, like development and produce, producers and streaming. So it really runs the gamut. Um, but I think just overall, the type of candidates that we're always looking for, you know, just really making sure that, um, one, you, you are applying to positions that you're ultimately going to be considered as a competitive candidate for. It, it, it serves you no... no um, you know, way when you are applying to multiple positions that if you look at the job description and you look at the required qualifications, you're only hitting one or two of them, especially in a company like us um, in, in, in our organization where we're household names. So we have thousands of people that are coming to us on a regular basis. So how are you going to stand out? You have to kind of check those boxes because we have the 
the opportunity to to pick the creme de la creme because we have so many great candidates coming to us. And not all people are going to always get um, called, even if you're a great candidate, just just because of the, the sheer volume that we get. And we can only interview but a certain amount of people and we can only interview one person per job. So I think sometimes people get um, confused about that, where they're like, oh, my resume goes into this black hole and HR never looks at it. Most times my eyes are ready to bleed at the end of the day because I'm looking at resumes consistently all day long, not only from our um, recruiting platform, but when I go out and do my own sourcing and do my um, outreach. So don't get um, disheartened or discouraged when you've applied for a couple positions and you haven't reached out. But keep in mind how you're going to get those callbacks is because you're being intentional, you're being purposeful about the roles that you apply for and being honest about the skills that you actually have versus the skills that you think you have. So, you know, do a self-inventory checklist too. Do I have this? Can I, uh, or is this skill transferable where I can um, uh, actually succeed in this position? And I'm not setting myself up for failure or the department for failure by bringing, um, um, a skill set that isn't going to serve that position. Like, are you able to fill the gap that the, that the hiring manager or the company is looking for? So take that self inventory, you know, look at your skills. Um, and if you don't have it, go out and get that skill set, you know, whether it's volunteering and adding that skill set to your resume, um, going back to school if you need to get a certificate and learn a specific skill set. Um, there's just, and, and on top of that, I always say, um, you guys are so lucky, um, the younger generation now, because all the resources you have at your fingertips to learn something at the drop of a dime, like YouTube and Google, I didn't really have that, you know, when I was in college, like it was just coming out. Um, you can literally learn a whole trade online, looking at webinars, uh, YouTube videos, books, podcasts. I mean, anything you could think of, you can become a subject matter expert in the area that you're you're already in or you would like to step into. So there's so many ways that you can already soak in all that knowledge and add to your tool, professional toolkit, so to speak. You mentioned volunteering, which you do a lot of. And I, I find so many people do not understand the value of volunteering and being in contribution and giving back. Why is it such an incredible tool uh, to, of course, to give, but also a means to receive a lot of opportunity and build great network. And that's the key thing. Not only are you able to, one, showcase your your skills, um, so you're already packing in um, and uh, providing yourself a benefit by adding those skills to your toolkit. But now people are seeing you. Um, you're um, you're not you, you know you're making sure that you are you don't go unseen. Uh, people see what you're doing. They pay attention, even when you don't think that they're paying attention. People are paying attention to what you're doing, especially obviously if it's online um, or you're just making sure that you're marketable, so to speak. You always want to be like, I'm going to be indispensable, you know. <laughs> um, but um, there are so many different ways that you can um, make sure that that opportunity that you consider to be free labor is ultimately going to yield you that monetary benefit in the long term. Um, so don't feel like you're selling yourself short if you're just trying to get that extra skill set, especially if you're 
um, career transitioning, or you want to move from one area to another. Sometimes that may be one of the only ways that you can pivot um, for people to actually see that skill set. Because most full time jobs are not going to hire someone without that proven experience that we want. So why not go, you know, and work with your friends? If you, they have a small production, get that hands-on experience, add that to your resume. Um, something is better than nothing, yep. you know? Yep. And then you, uh, you were volunteering, or uh, let me not assume, but you were working uh, as co-chair of the Professional Development Committee. Was that a volunteer role? That was volunteer, completely outside of my, my role. So that was a part of our employee resources group, the Black Employee Resources Group. Um, you know, I had already been a member, like just a general member that attended the events that the ERG would put on. Um, and I started to go to many events and somehow I just started to help out. And then um, I was asked to be a part of um, the leadership committee for the employee resources group. And it just so happened, of course, I picked um, the professional development committee considering those are the skills that I feel most comfortable with. Um, and then we would put on programming internally. But that opportunity allowed me so much access to um, individuals, executives, upper management that I otherwise probably wouldn't have had um, if I didn't step outside of my day-to-day nine-to-five role and, do, and put that hat on. So that also allowed for me to gain more skills where, you know, my boss is paying attention, like, wow, you're doing X, Y, and Z in addition to your work. That's great. You know, people pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. So that's another way that you can add to your toolkit, so to speak. I know I keep using that word, but it's really important. For anyone listening, if, if you don't know where to start, you know, start with your job. Is there something that you're passionate about, you care about, and you want to see it? Yeah. Uh, real and manifest within the workspace, create it. Like I'm pretty sure you'll be empowered to do exactly. that, especially if it's going to add value to the company or start within your community. You can literally do a Google search, go to your school, look at your alumni exactly. program, partner with people within your Facebook mm -hmm. groups that you're in. There's old, someone is always exactly. And then I think about all these projects, like, Creatives, one of the biggest things that we, everybody has a challenge of. I don't care if you are Beyonce. We never have enough money. We never uh -huh, have uh -huh. the budget that we want. So in oh, that, yeah. We, yeah. we need support because exactly. the budget gives you resources. And we're always trying to figure out how to supplement resources. Exactly. You can reach out to your most fave director, your most fave producer, and ask if, you know, what do they have going on and can you volunteer on the next project and think about what are your skill sets and how you exactly. can offer them and add value to someone else's life. What, so within that committee, uh, Debbie, like what was the committee's mission? Mm -hmm. Well, we were, uh, our mission was basically at the end of the day to um, create programs to strengthen the professional um, career opportunities of our internal population and or um, provide them with knowledge and resources that can help them continue to grow internally and uh, point them to um, you know, internal resources that they probably weren't aware of, um, provide um, speaker sessions um, that'll help them allow um, for their answer, I mean, their questions to be answered around different, how do I navigate my career here? 
um, because that's different at an NBC versus a, you know, a Discovery and a, and a Paramount. So how how can we specifically help support, especially um, the the um, black employees, um, to um, you know make it um, successfully with the resources and the support around them through this um, particular um, niche group? Um, and I think that we were very impactful with that. And now that we've merged with a lot of other companies like CBS, um, you know, they've been doing some really impactful programs um, as well. I'm not on the on the um, leadership board now, uh, but I have been um, looking and, and attending some of their virtual events and it's really very impactful. So the employees usually get a lot out of it. And that it's really that access to that access that they get to um, executives, um, different industry um, professionals. Like we have speakers from anywhere you could think of. You know, uh, uh, talent uh, will come to speak. Um, executives um, internally, executives externally. I mean, it runs the gamut. But we also get the input from the general body member about who they want to see what they want to talk about, what they want to learn, what do they need um, that we can probably answer that isn't available to them now. So that's kind of like the, a long version of the answer. Yeah, that's a great resource to have at, at a job that you work at. Debbie, speaking of development, uh, I just got off a call before I came on to record with you with this really big tech company. They are... They are having the same issue so many other sectors that serve the U.S. economy are struggling with, where they, they have a lot of candidates that can serve like below the line or these entry, line, entry positions, right? But their C-suites are lacking BIPOC talent. And they can, so many companies... So they say they can't figure out how, they can't they can't figure out how to how to fill those suites with BIPOC talent or how to solve this this global problem. What do you think is missing? What do you what do you have any solutions? Yeah, um, I mean, it's so funny that you asked this question because I literally just answered uh, that question online. Um, and at the end of the day, it is harder. It is definitely harder. It's it's evident, like you said, to find people like us, BIPOC, Black um, folks at the C-suite or executive level. But why? I think that the majority of the reason is one, we're not tapping into these amazingly talented people of color that are already in the organization um, by making sure that they're not um, stagnant at the middle management levels, like a manager or maybe a senior manager level, even director level, um, where they are being uh, bypassed by other folks um, that aren't BIPOC. Um, so I think those are some of the, the reasons why you're not seeing them shatter the glass ceiling. So how can you fix that? One, start from within. You got to groom them from the more junior um, levels. You have to provide them access to the knowledge and the skills that they would need in order to um, attain those more senior levels. Um, 
the program, the schooling, the schools, they have to go into the schools and find the the strong talent that are there and not focus on only Ivy League schools. What about the SUNYs and the CUNYs and the HBCUs? Go into the schools, uh, provide them with access to you, the organization, and say, hey, we're hiring too. And we're not just going to the what they consider to be the the um the top of the mountain, so to speak. Um, we have some brilliant uh, minds in all different um, schools and all different uh, walks of life. So that's that's where I say start from the beginning. Uh, in order for you to see them at that level, they have to start from somewhere. But if they're not even having access to certain programs or certain promotions, then how are we going to see them at the top? Because they have to grow from somewhere. So it's like, Put that seed in internally. Don't always go out and say, oh, we're going to get more diverse talent. And then they hire the diverse talent at the assistant and the coordinator levels. Like, that's great. But how are you going to continue to retain them and grow them? So like internal mobility programs, focusing on that. Middle management programs that are specifically um, um, focused on BIPOC um, employees to get them to that next step. Because sometimes it's like, well, okay, it's been a thousand years and we haven't seen any movement. So there has to be um, structures put into place and actually for that to actually happen. You know, so those are just some things that I can think of. But at the end of the day, companies need to go out there, market, attract the talent. Um, how are you going to retain them once they're in the door? Because it's great to say, oh, I'm going to hire diverse candidates. Um, but then once they come in, they don't feel supported. They don't feel like they're included. Um, as a part of the population. So you have to also build uh, infrastructure that allows for inclusivity, that allows for growth, um, that allows for um, BIPOC um, um, employees to be seen and given the opportunities to excel, just like their other counterparts that are not BIPOC. So those are, I think, the easy ways to, to start to get um, candidates that are BIPOC at that executive level without only having to recruit them at the top where they're scarce at that point. They're already scarce at the you know SVP and above levels. So we have a lot of work to do. I think we're the the saving graces at the end of the day, I think we have a lot of success that has happened over the last 10 years, um, particularly even more within the last two years, as you know, like I don't even have to go into that the last two years with the civil unrest and dealing with all of the um, the issues around uh, BIPOC um, folks not getting their um, due service in terms of um, accolades and um, um, training and things of that nature. So companies are aware, they, they were put on notice, they've developed these programs. Um, it's starting to show, you're starting to see more of, um, of, of diverse candidates at these levels, but we still have a long way to go. Um, so again, it just goes back to how are you setting yourself up? How are you even coming to the table to um, make sure that they know about you as a company that they will want to work at? Because more and more people are asking me when I interview them, what does your diversity um, you know, um, program look like? Um, what are you guys doing to ensure that uh, people are being included? And um, you know, just, just that whole DE&I um, 
it's it's more and more important. So if a company is smart at the end of the day, whether it's their genuine efforts and they because they actually care or because at the end of the day, it also touches their bottom line and we're more productive at the end of the day when we have a more diverse um, population. You have more creativity, um, you have more ideas, you have different perspectives coming in the door versus this myopic thinking of just one type of candidate that you're always looking for or, or looking to elevate. Have you seen any programming or structures that have been effective in that way? Um, yeah, I mean, I can't speak for companies that I don't work for particularly, um, but of course I could speak for my company. Um, they have actually implemented a program that is specifically dedicated to middle level um, management at for BIPOC specifically, where they help to um, nurture their professional growth. So that's one way that we are doing it. But I know a, a couple of other companies, I think NBC is pretty good about that as well. Um, but there are other companies that have been uh, doing more and more in that particular space. Um, but I know we also have that. Um, we also um, have an internal mobility program in general. They've also been doing a lot of um, level setting employees in terms of compensation. Like maybe we have bypassed all these great things that you've been doing. You've been getting, you know, um, amazing reviews every year. Well, how come you haven't been elevated or how come your salary has not increased over a certain amount? So they've been doing more of that level setting and um, right setting compensation across the board as well. Have you ever heard of a situation or seen anything where someone's social media was maybe too unprofessional and cost them an opportunity? Oh yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, absolutely. I personally, as a recruiter, do not go out seeking people's social media, um, unless, of course, it's a requirement for the job where they want them to be, you know, have a a, a social media footprint per se, and it has some sort of bearing on what they would do, um, in terms of uh, creating content. Um, however, hiring managers. Sometimes they do that, you know, sometimes they'll go out and look and see what's going on and they'll come back to me and say, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't. This was too whatever. That hasn't happened in a long time. And of course, I counsel them to say, you know, that's their own personal pages at the end of the day. But I can't make them um, hire a person if they feel uncomfortable about what they're putting out on their social media. So I always say my little caution, cautionary disclaimer, if you cannot be proud to showcase the content that you put out on your personal media to a potential employer, then err on the side of caution and not post it. Or make sure that your stuff is private. If you want to be racy and do all of the crazy things on social media, make sure that you lock it down. And even still, that could be screenshot. Someone could share it and somehow it gets into the, to someone else's hands. So I always say, if you can't be proud of the content that you put out, on your social media content, think twice about putting it out. Because remember, it stays there forever. I mean, there's ways that you can get stuff removed, but for the most part, your content is going to stay there. The words that you tweet are going to be there. The posts and the stories that you put, um, they will be there on Instagram, Facebook, and all of that. Um, so I always caution people to remember about your personal brand um, because nowadays, again, because social media is so prevalent in our lives day to day, it can get you in trouble with um, talking about politics. It can get you in trouble about talking about race and not about talking about it, but being derogatory about it or or maybe even talking about your own company or companies that you've worked for in the past. People will look at that um, as potential employer and say, well, that's that's a 
that's a risk that we would take hiring this person because of the type of uh, content that they they putting out. And at the end of the day, you are still considered like a representative of the company whenever you put out your, um, you know, your information. So just kind of be cognizant of that, especially more entry level folks where I think they it, it's lost on them where they're like, yeah, I'm going to twerk. And, you know, <laughs> like I think I just saw recently a couple weeks ago, it was I don't know. She was uh, in politics, a black woman. Yes, the senator. Lady, you know the the platform that you're on. You know the reach that you have. Is that really what you want to do? Is that really what you want to put out? I was commenting like, hey, get it, sis. (laughs) (laughs) That's my personal opinion, but I'm like, "Uh, I don't know if that's that's going to serve your best interests. Right. She got a lot, a lot of slack for it. A lot, a lot of slack for it. I was listening to this yeah, brand yeah, specialist talk yeah. uh, because someone asked a similar question in a different way and he was coaching them through this. And then he was like, he was like, let me make this simple. He was like, when you go to your, when you go to your social media and you're looking at your photos or you're getting ready to post, think one word, reputation. It rep, and then you know what I did. There you go. There you go. And I looked at all my Instagram posts, and I was like, "Is this reflective of my reputation, the one I have now, and the one that I'm continuing to build upon and create?" I was like, "No, delete, delete, creating, delete." delete." Yeah, a hundred percent. Perception is reality. Period. Point blank. We can craft what we have in our head, but at the end of the day, the public perception is going to be the reality, whether we want it or not, you know? So if you're comfortable to put whatever you have out there, you have to be comfortable with the ramifications, the consequences, good or bad, that come with it. So just always be cognizant about it because there's brands, products, and companies, but we are our own personal brand. Like Debbie Douglas is a brand, you know, Shirley is a brand. So you have to always keep that in mind. What advice would you give to talent that is, um, well, maybe it's twofold. One, looking to increase visibility around their brand and looking to, just looking to grow, looking to transition because you, you're you on the other side. You like have access to the gatekeepers. You have their ears, you know what they're looking for, what their wants and needs are. like. How can we get through? How can we increase visibility and bust through the door? Yeah. I mean, I would say a lot of what I've shared already. One, make sure that you're connecting with um, the folks that you that you aspire to be like or, or um, the roles that you want to be in. Reach out to those folks. Reach out to them on social media. Reach out to them on LinkedIn. People love to talk about themselves. People love to, to, to share their journey and their stories. Um, most, most times than not, Um, folks are going to respond and have that cup of coffee with you or just have that 10 minute conversation. Um, So that's one way, you know, be where the folks are, just like how we as recruiters need to be where the candidates are. They should surround themselves with professional and like-minded people, like being a part of the who you know um, group, Uh, uh, signing up for um, professional organizational memberships, Um, get in those spaces, Um, Create the content, um, put it out there so people can see it. Um, 
like, I mean, how did Issa get where she is? She didn't wait for HBO to come to her to do Awkward Black Girl and do her uh, web series on YouTube and all that stuff. They saw that following that she already crafted for herself. And then they were like, wait a minute. Oh, okay. Come with us. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, whether that's the best option or not, I mean, we can find ways to 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 make things happen for us in our own atmosphere. We don't have to wait for someone to create it for us, or I mean, um, to 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 um, uh, reach out to us um, to attain it. For the talent, how do we increase visibility on ourselves? Okay. <laughs> and then how do we get to the gatekeepers? Like, how do we get yeah. your attention? Because you got the you got the air of them, yeah. the people that said yes. But these were all incredible nuggets. Don't wait. Exactly. Go create network, right? Like network, 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 yes. network. I tell people yes. all the time. People mm-hmm. love talking about themselves. hundred percent. I'll take you out to lunch. Yeah. Get an advocate, you know, get a sponsor and an advocate. Um, we know, we all know the term, get a mentor and all that stuff, but that true advocate or a sponsor is going to kind of like bring you and open the door and provide you with the access. They're not just going to give you great advice and things of that nature, but those are ways that you can kind of secure, um, you know, your, your seat at the table, so to speak. Um, what else did there's something else I'm missing? I feel like, um, it's, it escapes me, but yeah, those are those are some of the the key things that I would I could think of off the top of my head. Debbie, this was amazing. I had so much fun with you, Shirley. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Is there anything else you want to share that you didn't get to mention? Anything about you personally that you want us to? Where can we find you? Where can we? Yeah. Well, one, I this is I love doing things like this because if. If I'm not learning and if I'm not giving back to other people to let them know how they can get to the other side too, then I'm not doing my job. The reason why I'm in human resources, the reason why I'm in recruiting and the reason why I'm hiring people and making dreams come true, so to speak, is because I actually care about people. And specifically, this I always have a soft spot in my heart for making sure that we have access um, you know, to um, places that typically we wouldn't have access you know, so anything that I can do to make sure that uh, we're in the know, I'm going to do it. Um, um, I can be found on LinkedIn, Debbie Douglas. Make sure you put in Paramount. Otherwise, there'll be like 450 other Debbie Douglases that come up. Uh, that's my parents' fault. They gave me a very, uh, you know, blanket name. <laughs> um, also, um, yeah, that's the main area where you can reach me at. Um, I try my best to answer emails that I get through LinkedIn. It's hard, but I still go through them. Sometimes I'll do like a weekly inventory check and like go through a whole bunch at one time. So if you don't hear from me within 24 to 48 hours, don't panic. Um, I try my best to get back to everybody, but I can't with all, with with the, just, just the volume. Um, what else? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I, I hope to do more of this. I'm looking to do an ebook to answer a lot of these questions that you talked about. Um, I'm already almost towards the ending of one. Um, so stay tuned on that. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm just here, um, you know, just trying to help folks and, um, you know, make sure that we're seen at the end of the day. I love it. Y'all go add her on LinkedIn so y'all can get ready for when this ebook drop. We can get more gems, more gems. 
Debbie, thank you so much. <laughs> yes. I'm so grateful for your time. Yes. I'm so grateful for your heart, your loving spirit, uh, full of contribution, full of, it's so generous. I can thank feel you. it. Yes. And all the things that you do. Thank, thank God you. For people like you on the planet. Cue, we got another one in the can. This was amazing. I will talk to you soon. Can't thank you <laughs> enough again, Debbie. No problem. And thank you for providing this platform for all of, um, you know, our, our followers as well. So this is awesome. And I know everybody's getting a lot out of it. So I got to check back some of your older episodes as well and tune in. Yes, yes. And shouts out to Trey, our associate producer, Donkwa, our writer, and Devin, our editor. We are a team who is all in this to, to bless our community. All right, y'all have a great day. We are signing out.